Is there something big you're wanting to accomplish? Maybe a big piece you want to learn, or if you're a composer, a big piece you want to compose, but you just can't seem to get started. It just seems too daunting. There's a surprisingly simple solution. We're going to talk about that next. Hello and welcome to the Musician Toolkit, episode number 49. My name is David Lane and it is great to be with you once again. So as I've mentioned a couple of times in recent episodes, this has been a uh, quite a busy month. Just in disclosure, this episode is supposed to come out on November 20th and I'm recording this on Friday, November 10th. So as I'm recording this, we have one more dress rehearsal for The Wizard of Oz for the Community Theater of Greensboro at the Carolina Theater, and that will have its opening, really opening matinee and opening night tomorrow. By the time this episode releases, the the show will have closed. Its final day is the 19th, and again, this should come out on the 20th. I've had a wonderful experience thus far with that show and, and have no reason to think that won't continue. So I'm, I'm being forthcoming about the dates involved here, the date this is being released, as well as the date that I'm recording it, because there's a certain amount of presumptiveness involved. If things go well, two big events in my life will have happened between the time I'm recording this and the time this released, even in those short 10 days. And those two events are related. The first one is... Uh, the home that I'm recording this in will have been sold. It's a house my wife and I bought back in 2002. And uh, obviously it's called a starter home because it was the first home we bought, but it truly is. um, It was not our dream home. It It was a house. It was one that we could afford, especially as two pretty much part-time musicians kind of struggling to make an income at the time. And it's been great. We, it's, it's been something we've appreciated. But, but when we bought this, I think the thought was we would definitely stay here for five years to, you know, recoup all of the costs, of, you know, that we put into it. But surely in, you know, 10 years after that, we would be moving into a, a house that's more like what we had wanted to have. Well, 10 years turned into 21 years. So if all goes well, and I am one of those, I have to say that, I <laughs> I wish I was naturally optimistic, and I just kind of was one of those that is surprised by failure or surprised by things going wrong. But truthfully, I, I am the type of person who uh, I have high hopes, but I don't always count on things going smoothly. So We've jumped over a lot of hurdles. We've, cl- we've cleared a lot of the things that were concerns out of the way. And if nothing comes up, we will have closed on this house on the 13th, and we will have bought our new home on the 20th. So it's been a long time since I've recorded video for this podcast, except for the portion that I record for uh, the excerpts, the clips that I put on Instagram, YouTube Shorts, and TikTok. And if you have regularly been watching those, you might have noticed that the background behind me has changed. We've been slowly but surely packing up things for a while because we knew that this could happen. 
So it may seem like I'm kind of rambling. Like, okay, David, what's this episode about? Why are, you know, congratulations, you're, you're getting a new house. Uh, but what is this episode about? Well, actually, getting the new house is part of the, what the episode is about. Because what, it, what it's all about is why we're getting the house when we did. Because if, if, it's, if 21 years sounds like a long time when your goal was to get another house after 10 years, I will tell you that going into this 21st year, I didn't foresee us getting another house for at least another another year or two. And going into September, I didn't see this happening. But we did one thing that started kind of a domino chain that got us to this point. And that thing was, and, uh, you know, credit to my wife, of course, for... Um, who, who, I, who has really been, th- this has been, I, I think it's been a big dream of mine. It's been an, an even bigger dream of hers to buy a new home. She saw a house that she liked. It's not the one we bought. <laughs> In fact, we, I don't even think we really liked, liked this particular house once we saw it. But she set as a calendar event, invited me on a Sunday in September to go to an open house. Now, she had a lot of other houses on her wish list, some things that she would love to be able to consider. Now, keep in mind, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't consulted a realtor about selling the, the, our old home. <laughs> this is really hard talking about future events in past tense. We hadn't been pre-qualified, but my wife got a full-time job uh, since she got out of school, her first job since she got out of going back to school back in August, and our income was at a place where we felt like, well, the the houses we want, you know, maybe there's a chance that we could afford it. But, you know, there's still that thought, let's put it down the road. Let's do this later on. Let's do this in the spring or in the summer. But we went to that, we went to the open house, walked around the house, and we're like, eh, it's okay. Wasn't really... Any, you know, anything that we wanted to consider any further. But we started talking to the realtor. And the realtor, who is very good at her job, she listened to my wife talk about some of the other houses that she wanted to see. And this was a Sunday afternoon, like maybe about 3 o'clock. And she said, well, I'll see if I can get you into one, one of these houses by 5. And then she had like three houses lined up the next day on Monday for us to do that. Before I even really knew what was happening, we were in touch with a mortgage broker to get pre-qualified because we had seen a house that we liked, and unfortunately that house went off the market, but we realized this is a possibility. Let's go ahead and start packing stuff. We got a storage unit. We started collecting boxes, started packing things uh, that we didn't need right away or anytime soon. And we kept looking at houses. And then and then we were told the strategies that we could do to sell this home without putting a whole lot of work into it and still get kind of the money we were hoping for. And there was a Wednesday not too long ago that uh, we signed some papers that saying we would list our home. And they put the sign in the ground that showed the, the realty company. And that was a Wednesday and on Thursday morning, the listing was live. And by Friday evening, 30 hours later, 
we had accepted an offer and it was ideal terms. It, it allowed us to sell the house and maintain occupancy as a renter while we moved to our new home. But we found the new home and, and our really our second offer was accepted. And we were to put that closing just a week after we sold our old home. So the story here is that open house. It's that one thing left to my own devices. I don't know when we would ever have started this process. We're getting a bigger home. We're getting uh, a home in a great location. I'm going to be able to really make my studio nice and, and also to give some lessons out of my home, which is something I have not done before. It's why I've always had uh, a designated studio. And I'll still be keeping that studio for a while. If you're local, you're wondering, I'll still have Winston-Salem studio. But I'll also be offering things uh, in my new home. And I won't say where that is yet because that's a little too presumptive. So in a future episode, after everything has been signed, everything is official, I'll drop where I'm, where I'm located now. But it's not too far away. But that started with just going to an open house and talking to the realtor. That didn't take a lot of effort. But by meeting the right person, we were, we were able to start kind of a chain reaction. And the thing that I noticed when I started thinking about it, because it happened really fast, is we took a goal that seemed unthinkable, and it didn't take long before it became inevitable. There was a point where it would take more effort on my part to stop the events that had been set in motion. If I had decided maybe after 10 days since that first meeting, if I had decided, and of course it would have to be a group decision, if I should say if we had decided that we didn't want to sell our house, we wanted to just stay here, we had kind of passed that point. So, so you know, maybe, maybe be careful of the projects you choose and make sure that, that you're confident in them. But it did not take long at all before a certain goal went from being, I don't, I don't know when we're ever going to do this, to this is going to happen and we can't really stop it now. <laughs> so let's relate that to some musical goals or maybe some career goals as a musician. I remember when I was in high school, when I was uh, a freshman or a sophomore, you know, as I made up music, that, um, you know, it'd be nice to, if I could write some of it down, but I didn't really trust to know how to do that. I never asked anybody for help on that. And, and it was when I was 16 that my mom liked one of my improvisations and she said, you need to write it down. And I'm like, oh, oh sure. Okay, sure. I'll do that. Knowing that I wouldn't do that. But then the next day she brought me manuscript paper and she says, I expect you to write it down. So, oh gosh, Mom took the time to, to buy me the, the tool that I needed, the only excuse that I could give for not doing it. So I guess I might as well try it. And I talked about this in, a, in an episode not too long ago uh, about the opportunity chain. It's kind of similar uh, how one opportunity leads to another, but this is more about momentum. I started this one piece and that and that led to me showing it to my teacher, which led to it being played. And, and I fell in love with composing it. it. It really didn't take long. It took me maybe six weeks from the time I was given that book of staff paper until the time I said, I think I want to major in music composition. 
in college. Six weeks before that, I was thinking maybe architecture, maybe engineering, like electrical engineering. I didn't know anything about those fields. I just figured it was something I ought to do. I didn't have examples of in, in my life of music majors who had been successful. That just didn't seem like a viable way to go. It took six weeks for me to go from not considering music as a major to knowing exactly what I was going to do as a major and, and what it had to be. And my mom presenting me with a book of staff paper with the challenge that I needed to write down this little tune I just made up. That was what got the ball rolling. Just like going to the open house and finding the right realtor got us got the ball rolling. When I moved to this area for grad school, what got the ball rolling was just sending out an application and then accepting a phone call when they responded to that application and then putting on the calendar of when to come up here for an audition. Then at some point it became inevitable that I would be here. Let me talk about becoming a podcaster briefly. I started really getting interested in podcasts as a listener in 2018. And I thought to myself, I have a studio with good editing equipment. I have a decent microphone. There's a lot I don't know about podcasting. I didn't know at that time. Like, how do you get it online? How do you distribute it to places? How do you get guests? I had a lot that I would have to learn. But the whole, the whole thing was, I said I could do this. But I was never going to do it. Because I didn't have that ball rolling yet. And then 2020 came, and, uh, you know, everybody's stuck at home for a while. And I'm listening to an audiobook about creating your own podcast. And on that walk, I decided what the podcast would be. So first of all, I mean, that could be the ball that got it rolling. I texted a friend that I thought would be a good co-host, and he said no. He was, wasn't willing to commit. But then I thought of my plan B of how to make it work, that it would be a guest-centered podcast about those specific musicians that play in theater pits, and it would be called Life in the Pit. And I was like, cool, I have an idea now. I know what, what the podcast will be. But it's still not inevitable that I'm going to do it because I've had a lot of ideas before that I even wrote down and never did anything with them. I have three novels that I've started. I've never, I haven't really told this before. I have three novels that I've started. And only one of them did I get past chapter two. It never reached a point of inevitability that I would finish those novels. you got to get way past chapter two. But I'll come back to that in just a moment. What got the ball rolling for this podcast was I signed up with a podcast distributor, a paid yearly plan, registered my podcast name, and... Uh, at the same time, I selected a starting date, and I booked my first two guests. When I booked the first two guests, I didn't know how am I going to record their audio onto a separate channel from Zoom, or Skype, I think is what I started with at the time. So I knew I had things to figure out. But once I had paid the money to have my podcast a place to go, it started to become inevitable that I needed to do this podcast. Otherwise, I just wasted a year's subscription. And the lessons I learned from that first podcast is what led to the Musician Toolkit. Episode one of the Musician Toolkit came out on January 2nd of this year, 2023. It was ex almost exactly a year ago in November of 2022 
I started promoting it nearly every day, about four or five times a week, of what this podcast was about, all over my social media. And each one of those short videos, those reels, those uh, YouTube shorts, those TikTok videos, they all ended with a coming January 2nd. And I'm going to tell you, there are times I thought, I don't know if I'm going to have an episode out by then. I don't know if I'm as ready as I thought I was. But I started the ball rolling, and it just kept rolling until it became inevitable. Of course, I'm going to start this podcast on January 2nd. And I'm going to do what I can to make sure that I have episodes for January 9th and 16th and 23rd. And so that that just keeps going every single Monday. And so far, we haven't missed a Monday. Back in 2005, I was asked to learn and memorize the first movement of the Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto Number no. 1 to play in concert. And I was gener- generously asked 10 months in advance. And uh, you know what got the ball rolling on that was I just said yes. I committed to it. <laughs> and then I looked at the score and I was like, I think I better get started now to be sure. I cannot put this off. So I started practicing right away. It kind of takes sunk cost fallacy as an advantage in this case. And, and if I feel like I've mentioned that before, but sunk cost fallacy basically in very summarized layman terms is this idea that once you put a certain amount of money or time or effort into a project, it becomes increasingly difficult to let that go, even if it's no longer profitable. It's why people stay in jobs they don't like or that don't pay very well, or why people stay in a house for a very long time, even when it's not their dream home. If you go to practice a piece, which on the two piano score is 56 pages long for just the first movement, and it doesn't take a lot of practice before you get to the point where, well, I have to see this through. I've spent a lot of time on this. I just cannot leave this incomplete. But getting the ball rolling is something as simple as committing to to a date. The largest scale concert piece that I've written so far is a passion for chorus and orchestra. It's about a 48-minute work. I can tell you that I had started thinking about that in the very early 2000s, like 2001, 2002. But in 2009, I finally decided I wanted to write it. I started in the fall. I wanted to write it for the spring of 2010. So I got out, I just got out my staff paper one day, and I began writing an overture. And that got the ball rolling, but, but what also got it rolling was went ahead and announced it to the pastor of the church. This is what we're going to do for Easter season for our choir special. And I purposefully did not do a plan B. So we had nothing to do if I didn't come through. So I've given you some examples from my own life about learning a piece of music that was a massive piece of music, about writing a massive composition about taking a major step that I've been putting off. And maybe there are things in your life. I mean, I can tell you some things that I never acted on that, you know, will always be what-ifs that I, that I have to settle on. And that is, you know, speaking of moving, I never moved to L.A. when I wanted to be a film composer. And I've had a lot of, I, you know, I've accepted that decision, but that doesn't mean that I don't often think, well, you know, what if I had? What could I have done to have gotten the ball rolling on that? And I think I might have 
automated my savings. I may have taken an extra job or something that would have saved the money that I would have needed to sustain myself out in a place like LA, even if I'm getting hardly any work for a while while I meet people and try to just establish some contacts. And um, then once I'm there, I would know I have to make this work. I didn't do that, but I could see how it would have played out. So whether or not there's a big career goal, or, you know, maybe you're a high school student listening to this, and there's a school you want to, you want to attend, you want to move to a different city, you want to learn that big piece, that big concerto, that big sonata, maybe you want to, you want to put on a full length concert, you want to put something together, you want to take on tour, or you just want to do it one or one or two times, you want to put out an album, you want to compose a symphony or a concerto, some massive piece. You want to write a novel. So why did I give up on the novels? Why I got the ball rolling, right? I started writing on it. So it's really not enough just to take that first step. You have to take that small first step, but you have to allow yourself to get into a situation where you then feel accountable. One of the reasons that we sold one house and bought another and by the way, again, I'm being presumptive. This episode is going to sound awfully silly if something <laughs> falls through, but I'm just going to assume that for this point. A big part of that was not wanting to let down this realtor who had given us a lot of her time. It's not like we had paid her, and it's not like she would earn a dime unless she got us to sell or to buy. But she she gave so much time knowing that we might not, that I'm sure she could she could read us and tell that my wife was a little bit more ready to to do this than I was. But that accountability is important. Saying yes to performing a massive concerto movement from memory by a certain date. That was all I had to do. That took two seconds of time, took maybe five seconds of thought before then. And that was that was it. I mean, I I know that I could have backed out. It was ten months in advance. I could say I changed my mind, but then I bought the music. It was about a twenty dollar purchase, which you know wasn't too insignificant at the time. So then I started practicing it. I had learned, I think I learned about three pages of it, and that's it. That's all it took. Now it may be different for you. So, when, you know, like when it comes to writing a novel, I think what most people do to get that novel done is they, they give themselves a release date. There's a funny thing about the, the films that I've scored before, and that's when you start seeing advertisements for the premiere date. You have the poster, shows the actors, and it shows their names, and it might even say at the bottom, you know, where all the credits are, music by David Lane. And it'll say something like, coming in a date that's like three weeks away. And I still haven't finished composing the music. Because that's what often happens with the films. Music is one of the last things to be added to it. The film is locked. And it's still, it's still a wild thing. Happened just this week. There's a local theater that's doing a Christmas show. And I saw the poster for it. With a link for where you could get your tickets. Well, they're not going to have any music to sing to unless I finish recording the tracks. I'm about halfway done. People are buying tickets for a show, 
and half the music isn't even available yet. But don't you know that that is going to ensure <laughs> that I complete it? So there is a huge variable to all this. It, it can be as simple as just do something. Like if you want to write a symphony, go buy the manuscript paper. If you already have it, draw that first measure, draw out the first score, set the timer and compose for 30 minutes. And then tell somebody that you're composing an orchestra piece. That might be all it takes. It might take more for you. Kind of a bit of a hard truth that I have to say is um, it kind of depends on you and aspects of your character and your personality. If you're the type of person who kind of just thinks, uh, who cares what other people think? You don't mind the idea of disappointing others because that's just who you are. It might be harder for you to get to that point of inevitability. If you feel like you can disappoint others, it's a little, you have to go a little bit further. But there might be some kind of stakes that you can set for yourself where you would be disappointed to upset yourself. But if you are going to be successful, you have to find out what it is that drives you to stick with a task once you get to a certain point. I'll say for a lot of people, though, it does involve a financial commitment or a time commitment. And it works both ways, by the way, when it comes to finances. When you spend a lot of money investing in something, or you spend, you know, enough that you feel it, you're going to feel commitment to what you paid for. But if you're being paid for something, you're going to feel commitment to that too, especially if the pay is enough. This is why I and so many business coaches encourage you to charge what you're truly worth. So what big goal do you want to achieve? And what's one thing you can do today that might get the ball rolling? Don't even wait. Go do that today. Do that one thing that'll get you started. And if it's not enough, think about what the next thing you can do is the next day. If you've been successful at all in music and um, you want to talk about what got the ball rolling for that specific thing in your life, I'd love it if you'd share that story with your own voice you can go to speakpipe.com slash musician toolkit. That's going to wrap up episode number 49. It's so hard to believe I started this podcast this very year, and next week is episode 50. Well, I will have a guest for that episode, or at least I should. Just want to remind you, if you have a studio of any kind, you know, one of the things that, um, that might help you get the ball rolling on maybe taking your your teaching more seriously. And this this did for me. This is another thing that got the ball rolling was when I got a Fawn subscription. There's a free trial, but but it's not free. It's affordable, but it's not free. But you're paying just enough money that you think, I need to make this worth it. I need to think about how I'm marketing and even what I'm charging. But the great thing about Fawns is that they'll make it so worth your while by the, the tools that they give you to keep your scheduling straight to allow new students to schedule themselves and to set up your students on automatic payments so that you're not having to bill anybody anymore. I listened to a local colleague today who's been in piano for a very long time. So, I mean, her business model reflects the mid 20th century when she got into this whole thing, but she was showing us her, her policies and how she sends home invoices and all that. And I just started thinking how much easier it would be if she would to get on board with funds. 
Okay, so this is longer than I normally talk about it. Fonts is not actually a sponsor of this show, except for the fact that I do get a little compensation if someone uses that link. But I don't think I would share that link if I wasn't a client and couldn't vouch for just how good their product is, is and especially how great their customer service is. So check it out. That is in my show notes. Please use that link if you'd like to find out more about it. Just get a free trial. Get started. All right. If all goes well, I recorded this in my old home. I'll be recording episode 50 and probably episode 51 in my, um, in my old home. I assume that by the time I get to episode 52, it might be a new backdrop when it comes to those preview clips that I share. Well, again, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening, and please share this with at least one other person if you found it valuable, whether that be on on a podcast app or on YouTube. And once again, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again next week.